Hey, welcome today on Ask a Pastor. I'm joined by Kay Warhite. Kay has been a longtime part of Orchard Hill and its staff. Um, now she serves at our Butler County campus. Welcome, Kay. Thank you. Glad that you are here today. Um, so tell us something fun that's happening in uh, Butler County or your life, uh, your grandkids, something that's uh, that's been fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. They're, they're, we two services and my kids are involved. My grandkids love the church. Um, it's just it, it just is such a warm feeling to be with your family in and, church. And you have a new grandchild. A new granddaughter. She's three months old, Kinsley. Um, yeah, it, things are things are good. That's fun. That's fun. Well, I would like to say you don't look um, mature enough to have a grandchild. Oh, thank you. But I'm not going to say anything about, <laughs> about my your wrinkles? appearance or about okay. uh, anything that, that um, yeah, I'm just, thank I stay you. away from that. You're kind. Um, it, if you're wondering where that's coming from, she just just pointed out something with me that's like not ideal. So uh, so you know, I'm just letting her know that I'm, uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you. That totally didn't land for anybody but you and me, Kay. Okay. So right. here we go. Um, <laughs> to what extent are we called to be stewards of creation? Biblically, how much should we prioritize environmental issues and animal rights? I really like this question. Um, I, I mean, if you, if you follow the Bible, the very first two chapters are about God putting everything in place, everything from atmosphere, oxygen, our place in space, to the water that only comes so far, the land, the vegetation, all these things were put in place. It's like God set the table for man to be, to arrive. He created man. There were animals that were companions. God said, that's not enough. So he created woman and said that you are to be in charge of all that I've created. Uh, I think that as Christians, we talk about stewarding our time and our money, and our time should involve our resources. A woman very wisely said to me years ago, always make the most with what you have. And I think that that is your your world, whether, even if it's just your property, your home, uh, the vegetation, the water, what you use, recycling, I think all those things are a Christian's responsibility. Now, the priority then is the question, how much of a priority should we put on it? And I think in, in thinking about the question, the pendulum swings to one side that we shouldn't be burning, we shouldn't use coal or gas, all these things, and the pendulum goes on the other side that what can we do to have more meat, uh, you know, bigger, bigger vegetables or whatever. And I think in the middle is where Christianity should be, that we should be aware that God has blessed us with resources. We are free to use the water, the land, but on the other hand, when we make it a priority uh, over mankind, when we're more concerned about our land, our landscaping, or our pets, uh, rather than the companion God gave us, and that is humankind, that we are to be aware of those who are hungry, those who are hurting, um, and make that a priority in pointing to God's glory and what he's given us. Not, not, do I have enough to eat? Am I just feeding people so that I feel good about myself? But all these resources are, are here, and then we want them for the next generation. We want to make sure they have clean water. We want to make sure there is uh, healthy land, that the atmosphere, the clean air to breathe. So yes, we are to be stewards, but to make it a priority over uh, mankind or caring for one another, that, that is too that far. That becomes a problem. Yeah. So one of the things I heard recently, um, I 
is that to be environmentally friendly now uh, requires us to uh, not buy as many new clothes, to try to recycle clothes, yes. to buy old clothes, used clothes. And not only that, but we should wash our clothes way less often because of the impact that washing machine and use of water has detergents. on the environment, mm -hmm. detergents. And that we should air dry our clothes rather than use the dryers because it keeps emitting gas into the atmosphere, which contributes to global warming. So, uh, so what would you say to somebody who says, okay, I want to be a steward of creation, but I want clean clothes and I don't want to have to hang my clothes everywhere. Uh, how, how does that, how does that fit with, uh, with, if, if, and what I'm saying is, you know, it's fairly, um, um, oh, I'll let you answer that. Well, I know this is a stretch. Part of the reason we keep buying new clothes is uh, we eat a lot and we can't wear the same size. <laughs> I think it's being environmentally friendly, not eating so much. But I do think that the next generation has made it a priority to shop secondhand, mm -hmm. um, to refurbish, to uh, reinvent, um, you know, what's in style, to understand clothing. I think. You can't go into someone's home and tell them they can't wash too much. But I think just being aware uh, of the detergents that are environmentally friendly. I, I went to lunch with a woman the other day and I didn't ask for a straw. And she said, oh, I don't want my lips on the glass. And I, I didn't say it, but it was, wait, you're using the fork and knife and the mm -hmm. spoon that was washed in the same water. So I think we want to pick and choose, but I think things like plastic or I, I did read where uh, clothes do not um, disintegrate on a hillside. That we mm -hmm. are, we are. Uh, there are two women who want to try to have bins for recycling clothes. Mm -hmm. And what do you do with old socks? You can't. It's hard to recycle old, old mm -hmm. socks. So there has to be something done. And maybe that is uh, the next generation will. This generation will come up with something. But to answer your question, I don't think it's easy. But to make people aware that you don't always have to have new, and to maybe uh, find you know, way, creative ways, which I think these kids are doing, to take what's old. Um, mm -hmm. I have found some of my old clothes and gone to the store and found they're back in style. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, I'm not able to button all the coats. <laughs> um, they don't necessarily fit, but they, they can um, be kept and not immediately thrown away. I don't know, does yeah. that answer? Well, it's a, it's a mindset where you're choosing between, is it more important to me to be always at the latest style, have new things, or, to, or to care about something bigger, yeah. um, which could be both a materialism thing and an environmental thing. Well, that's it. Um, yeah. And then certainly the washing, like personally I'd struggle not having clean clothes. Yeah. I like clean clothes uh, more than I like new clothes. Uh, but it, it's good to even just ask the question, is there an alternative to some of the ways we do things? And I do think there's a biblical piece of that question that says Christians are not just to say we use the world and discard it, but to say right. we are to manage and steward the world that God has given us. And sometimes that means making choices that are for the good of everybody rather than just our personal good. And we live in a culture that has said for so long make your choices about yourself, everyone else can figure it out. And what's good about even the environmental push with something like water and washing or buying old clothes is it 
forces you to at least ask the question, am I acting just simply because I can and I have the resource to do what I want, or am I willing to right. put some of my preference and conveniences aside for the public good? And, and certainly there's, there, there's a balance there somewhere, um, but I'm not, sometimes balance can be an easy way out too, to right. just appeal the balance. So, right. Right. so, uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, this question is uh, about a spouse and a, uh, the, the spouse is being in a different place spiritually. And it's uh, the man who writes, he says, she and I are similar in that we want to believe in the whole thing, but we are not quite there yet. In my view, I am much more accepting of the biblical story. My drive, desire to figure it out seems stronger and more open, and my wanting to attend church services is far more frequent than hers. I don't push the church thing too much, though. I realize everybody moves at their own pace, or more specifically at God's pace of pursuing us individually. Do you have any advice or suggestions about spouses being at different places in their faith journey, and possibly how does the Bible address this? That is hard, and at first I, I just think it's wonderful that there is a, a man who wants to be a Christian husband. Uh, I, I just think it's such a blessing, and it is hard when you're not on the same page. But on the other hand, my, my advice is, uh, how much do you know God personally? And that, that sounds a little arrogant, but when you know that God is omniscient, he already knows the pace that your wife needs to find or what she needs in her life. Do you know that God is provider? And, and I don't mean just those words, are you soaked in knowing that he knows all things? Are you soaked in knowing that he is provider? When you know those things, then, then you grow spiritually yourself and hopefully your wife will come along. But to, um, and, and what does it say in, um, 1 Peter 3.15, that always be prepared to give a reason or to give hope for what you believe. Mm -hmm. And are you growing? Are you prepared? If your wife does have a question, are you excited or are you, it's not so much, it's not about religion, it's about uh, your relationship. And I know myself, if I, if I go to a store and I find a bargain and I tell five people, that's a really neat store. When I am growing spiritually, I said, can I just tell you, you won't believe what I found in the Bible today. And I don't feel I'm pushing because I talk about all kinds of things I'm excited about. And when a husband does that, the wife will hear, well, wait, what? What are you talking about? And that conversation. Yeah. But I, I do, it's like not all people learn to read at the same pace. Not all people become athletes at the same age. And God knows a spouse and your wife could pass you up someday in her thirst, yeah. but just to know that God's there. Well, it's interesting that the verse you references in 1 Peter 3, uh, because the first part of that chapter actually addresses the situation. Now, it speaks specifically to wives, wives. Yeah. Uh, rather than to husbands, um, maybe because often it seems that the wife might um, uh, experience that. First. Um, who knows if that's statistically true, but certainly anecdotally, I think I see more often women come to church without husbands right. than husbands without right. uh, wives. But here's uh, what this says. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe, so here's your instance of uh, not both believing, um, that uh, if any of them do not believe that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And so the, the emphasis here is on your demeanor, your approach, mm -hmm. your behavior, saying, I want to help them come to faith rather than um, pushing or demanding. Which is what he and didn't want to do. Exactly. And, and I think you know that people 
um, aren't coerced into anything. No. And so coercion is never effective. I think it's fine to say, I would like it if you would come with me and experience it with me so we could talk about it. I would appreciate not going alone. Any of those things right. are fair. But at the end of the day, um, no one is coerced toward faith. No. And, so, and so your best option is to pray for them, to care for them, and to let them see how God is changing right. your heart and life ultimately uh, as you look at that. <clears throat> um, and uh, what... Um, what else would you say to somebody who's, who's experiencing just not feeling like they're in the same place spiritually? Well, I, I do believe um, that there's a lot of fellowship out there, and I know that's a Christian word, but find, you know, iron sharpens iron, and you will be amazed that maybe other men could be in a similar situation, or they could be that my wife is dragging me, and that, that company um, will sharpen your senses as far as, you know, praying for each other, encouraging each other, and finding, I think when we get into situations, we always feel that we're the only one. And when you get with other men, specifically in some kind of Bible study, long-term Bible study where you grow, um, it's really always help. amazing yeah, yeah. to see how it changes. So, so this question is really tied to the last one, and it's, uh, it looks like it's from the same person. It says, again, I'd like to be more involved with the church and have the kids grow there as well. <laughs> we are at a busy stage of life, but still early enough to set things on a strong spiritual footing. I want to ingrain church more into our family dynamics so that it's more of a regular occurrence. Everybody wants to do it, and I don't feel like I'm pushing it on my family. We often participate in family and volunteer events at church. Can you offer any advice or provide any gen, uh, that provide a gentle nudge and influence my, in my family without being pushy and making them not want to go at all? So what would you say when a family uh, has a little bit of uh, resistance, especially the kids? Well, I always, I always think of um, my sons did not want to go to the orthodontist, and I would drag them, <laughs> um, and I made them go because I believed in it, and they had to, and I hated to see them get a shot for immunizations, but I made them get a shot, and that you know there would be tears. It's funny how we make them do uh, things education-wise. You'll, you'll make sure your child's going to the right school. You, you would not think I'll let them decide later. And you don't feel pushy. You feel that as a parent, I have a right to do that. That's how I looked at church. And it's, it wasn't necessarily the right fit. You know, when it says, um, train up a child in the way they should go, not all kids are into serving or, you know, sitting down and having a lesson. Some kids are into music. But when you train up that child in the way they should go and you, you insist, you're going to go to church, this is what we believe in, but you don't seem to like this, let's find something for you because I believe in this. If you don't like the orthodontist, you find another one. Um, we came here because our kids were not, it, it, it was more religion than it was understanding the grace. And so to, to say, okay, we're gonna make sure you have the right school, we're gonna make sure you go to the right church, but you will go. And yes, you are being pushy, but again, it's not pushing religion on them. Well, it's a little different than the spouse. Uh, the spouse, yes. Yes, uh, your, your coercion is, yeah. a, is not ultimately it's effective. It's adult to adult. With kids, you do have uh, the power of influence. You have the power of incentive. Um, and I think you're right to say, in a sense, there are a lot of things that your kids, you don't let your kids decide week to week. No. And uh, you know, if you sign them up to play soccer and they halfway through the season say, I don't want to go anymore, 
most likely what you'll do is you'll say, well, you're going to finish out the season right. because we signed up for it. Now, there might be an occasion where you say this has become such a bad experience, we're not going to finish. Right. But what you wouldn't do is let them wake up and say, I don't feel like soccer practice today, so I'm not going to soccer practice today. I don't feel like band practice today. What you'd say is, well, your band's counting on you, your team's counting on you, we're, we're part of this, we're going to go unless you're sick or there's some reason not to go. And you don't think twice about it and your kids get over it and after a few days of, I don't wanna go, then they, they, they assimilate into it and they're fine. Yes. And the same thing happens ultimately with church. Right. Uh, if you let them say, I don't feel like getting up, you know, pancakes at home this morning or church. Well, uh, that's, uh, a lot of us would say pancakes yeah. at home but we believe in this enough as a family, this is a priority. And, and as you do that and don't make it a negotiable when they're young, then as they get older, it's part of the fabric it of is. the family and it's easier for them to say, this is important, I want this in my life, uh, just like it is with any other activity. Well, and to be aware that every human being is born with a God-sized hole. And when we let that hole be empty until they become adults, um, it, it is, I mean, kids can be angry and say, I, I never found out, I never knew, mm -hmm. nobody ever told me. So to be aware that we were born with a desire for God to lead your children to fill that hole in their soul that they're not aware of is a parent's responsibility. Not, you know, when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, we leave out that soul part, or we might leave out the mind. I'll let them decide when they get older. Um, it, it all goes together just, again, God is a God of order and these things need to be taken yeah. care of. Um, I've probably shared this story at different times, but when I say the power of incentive, I think that that really is something parents have, especially as kids get older. And, uh, and the reason I say that is that was my, part of my story. My parents stopped going to church when I was in middle school. They still believed in it, still thought it was important, but it wasn't part of our family culture. And one of the things that happened when I was in early high school, my dad wasn't living at home. And my mom, uh, I started to want to go to this church's youth program because there were some girls there and some stuff. And, and my mom incentivized it. Um, and what I mean by that is she let me stay out later at night than I was staying out other times because I was going to this. And, and it was really smart on her part because what happened was part of how God got a hold of my heart was through the ministry of that church's yeah. youth ministry. And, and what I mean when I say incentivize it is, is you really do have power as a parent to say, um, here's something that I would like you to do and to help kids choose it right. so that it isn't right. coercion. It isn't just a battle. And, and once you do that, then you have the opportunity to, to give God's word, the Holy Spirit, a chance to work in your child's heart right. in a way that, that if they're not there, won't happen. And so as you're, you know, if the kids are young, obviously you just simply say, hey, this is what we're doing. Then they hit a certain age where it's a little harder to do that, but that's when your power of incentive does yeah. come in yeah. and you can really help um, direct that and make that a part of your family culture um, overall. So any other words of wisdom about uh, the child uh, part of that or the marriage part of that? I just, again, I just think it's wonderful when there's a father or a husband um, there's just not, no greater blessing for a kid to have than a father who wants them to know the Lord. So God will honor uh, any parent. And it is a struggle. It's, it, you know, you look at other families and you think, look how easily they come to church. We don't know the battles that, that took place to get them there. 
but how wonderful it is to have a father ask questions. I want my wife to know the Lord. I want us to be a family that serves God. I want my kids to grow up. Um, I, I just think that's wonderful. Yeah, one of the things that I've been aware of and um, when I come physically to church, uh, usually it's Orchard Hill, Wexford. Um, yeah, I'm in multiple services most weekends. Um, and I don't always sit with my kids. My kids are often uh, sitting with my wife or somewhere else. But one of the things that I'm aware of is, is the impact of your passion about worship and taking in the word on our kids. Yeah. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'll, I'll be standing there and I'll be thinking about the message or a conversation I had in the lobby and I'll find that I'm not singing or participating in the service because I'm thinking about all I have to do. And I realize what a, what a poor example that is uh, for my kids oh. if I'm not engaged. Yeah. And, and, and my point is this, and that is, it isn't, it's, a, it's one thing to say, we get here. It's another thing to say, when I come, I come with anticipation. I engage in the worship. I attend to and pay attention to the message. I'm here. I'm, I'm invested in people's yeah. lives. Because if your kids just simply say, well, we got here, and that, that was the sum total, um, that won't have the same impact as when they see their mom or dad uh, together worshiping with passion, um, sitting and, and listening and turning to scriptures and, and not checking their grocery list, you, you know, those kinds of things. And, and it's funny because what I'm saying is even as somebody who works in this industry, if you want to call it an industry, in this field, in the church, um, I can find myself tuning in and out and saying, well, I got to take care of something in my own mind rather than I'm fully invested in the moment. And, and I think kids pick up what is real to us as much as uh, what we say. And so those, those things probably matter in this arena as well. If I could just add quickly, in your home too, uh, some of the greatest influence in our home were other Christian men and women coming in, having dinner and sharing mm. their lives and our kids sitting around and we had a, a, a football coach uh, who we were friends with and he would come to our house with his wife, talk about his kids and their struggles. Our kids were a little bit older, but how he prayed or how he loved the Lord. And I could just see my kids, they were listening way more than if you know Matt and I talked, how, what a great influence. And I was perfectly aware, it was almost like church in your home. So having other couples over or yeah. families. Just letting them kids. see this as part of the fabric of your life. And we're not yeah. the only ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Kay. Thanks for being part of this today, spending part of your day here. If you have questions, you can send them to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com.